to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Recording night in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. If you want to get a newer pre-owned vehicle so you're all set up when the social distancing period is over, you can check out Carl Chevrolet and Ankeny Carl Chevrolet Stewart. <laughs> or, you know, probably the best thing to do would be to check them out online. You can see all of their inventory at carlchevrolet.com, carlchevroletstewart.com. I don't know what you're laughing about. That was a perfect recovery on the just the way you, my read. The way you delivered that was just hilarious. Just seeing your face kind of realize what you said. I mean, you did you did recover well. So, I give you credit there. Yeah. If you want to maintain your social distancing, then check them out online. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that you can do. You're right. I mean, you can get out and you can get out and drive your car around and still social distance. So. Yeah, well, and you can look at the lot, you know. Yeah, exactly. And hey, gas prices are as low as they've ever as they've been in a very long time right now. That's right. Never so, been a better time to drive and but still stay away from people. Exactly. Man, I saw that in like six states that gas prices are down below a dollar. Yeah. Well, I think the the cheapest gas that I come across here in Ankeny, I think it's like a buck twenty seven now. So it's yeah. like holy crap. Maybe we will be there before too long, which yeah. is something that would have been completely unfathomable to me. Yeah. Considering there was a time when gas was like three something dollars when we were in high school. Well, I think yeah, at one point it got over four there. Uh, you know, around the 2010 like somewhere around there yeah man that's that's nuts i uh, also want to give a quick shout out to our friends at the iowa state foundation uh they're they've, they've put together a new campaign right now to to try and help students and uh, faculty members that are, are still on campus or are stuck in ames and um and are affected by the crisis that we're all currently being impacted by uh, across the globe but you can check out check that out find out more information at uh, fundisu.foundation.iastate.edu slash project slash 20443. Together we are Cyclone Strong. So that's just from our friends at the Iowa State Foundation. And we'll tell you guys more about that here over the in the coming days and coming weeks. I think that Chris is going to do a podcast tomorrow and he'll have more details on that for you guys. As you could hear, the there's the voice of, uh, of Fitzy mm-hmm. who's here. We're not, uh, we're not going to do our standard episode of Stands and Fits. We, in conjunction with the greatest Iowa State men's basketball games bracket, we're doing some podcasts to where we rewatch some of the games. And uh, you and I are going to do Kansas, the game at Kansas from 2017 that snapped the 52-game win streak at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. The uh, Kansas blew a 15-point lead um, in Allen Fieldhouse game. Exactly. Yeah, it was a pretty epic game. I, I know that you had never seen it. Uh, from beginning to end I also had never seen that game from beginning to end I'd listened to it on the radio when it was happening but I never saw it yep I'd never watch video or anything which is so strange because we're like both of us should be able to watch an entire game like that especially one that's notable like that one well yeah it's exactly it's probably one of the more notable games of the last five years Mm -hmm. and I mean obviously it's number two seed in our bracket for a reason that game was a big deal it was obviously a, a huge game and that season for detail for reasons we'll get into here in a minute but uh yeah i mean it's just wild to think that uh until today i had never watched it from beginning to end yeah uh i believe i was at a a clinic selling videos at that time so uh i was able to follow on my phone but that was the extent of what i was doing while it was actually happening yeah i was with my dad i just remember i was listening to it on the radio rather Mm -hmm. than watching so uh yeah i mean i think the things so what we're gonna kind of do is just gonna talk about the lead up to the game first and then we'll talk about uh the first half and kind of just go from there but uh, the notable things, I think, uh, at least from the Iowa State perspective, first of all, in the lead-up was, I mean, they came in at 13-8, and eight, mm-hmm. uh, back-to-back losses to Vanderbilt and West Virginia in the week before that. 
And man, I think back to that time and it's just, uh, it seemed like everything was kind of unraveling. They had like five losses against top 10 teams by, I want to say like an average of four points. Mm-hmm. They'd battled with Gonzaga. They'd, they'd taken Kansas to the wire at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd uh, had a couple other games like that where they'd really hung with people, but they could never really get over the hump and beat anybody. Yep. And that season they lost to Iowa and Carver too. And that was the, that was the game where their offense just looked all out of sorts. Yeah. And, the, and you had those four guards that, we all knew we're really good um but it just was becoming glaringly clear how big their problem was in the front court Mm -hmm. and i think that that kansas game was the the first kansas game was like the best example of that where lane and lucas scored i think 27 points yeah and with a crap ton of rebounds with a ton of rebounds and just dominated iowa state from beginning to end in hill coliseum and you know Fran Fraschilla talks in in the broadcast about how he thought that the two teams were probably the two best small ball teams in the country Mm mm-hmm but obviously just had they had nothing from their front court and and i think that in the first half of this game that was especially apparent yeah i was uh (laughs) when i when i flipped on the game and just started watching i was like who's number five and i was like oh that's merle holden it was merle holden yeah and that was like the that was exactly what i thought too Mm -hmm. because you think back to that season and we all remember solo yeah and and what Solo did i remember solomon young and then i remember daryl bowie yeah. And then I remember Merrill Holden. And Daryl Bowie didn't actually play at all. I was going to say, Daryl Bowie was actually suspended for this game, which yeah. I, I'd forgotten that as well. So he was suspended for a violation of team rules. Uh, Solo had not really emerged at that point as being like a steadying, the kind of the steadying piece that he would later on in the season. And I mean, they'd been, you know, Merrill just was was like a fish out of water he, yeah he did not belong on that floor with uh with power five basketball players yeah and to his credit i think he like against kansas he was in a little bit of foul, like this game we're talking about yeah. he was in a little bit of foul trouble but otherwise i thought uh for some reason i when i remember merle holden like looking back i i remember him being a little more stiff but he actually moved pretty well for a big guy he just he, you could just tell he wasn't that skilled offensively yeah yeah the first note that i had on here was merle holden getting the start that was the yeah. first thing that i that i noticed when i turned it on i was just like Man, yeah they were really hurting at that time but the, the other thing that stood out to me at the very beginning was like they were running through all the lineups and i was like josh jack and you know josh jackson played that's what i had written down too. i was like holy crap because well, it seems like he's been in the nba for years now well and it's not even that i was blown away by how much early on in the game they talked about him yeah on the too. telecast yep. because he was like the they that's all they talked about for a long time was josh jackson and i mean frank mason was the national player of the year that season i think yeah and they had Devonte graham Devonte graham came back the next year and was a first team all-american and was mm-hmm. like a was i think was right in the running to be the national player of the year yep and that that's what i was blown away i was like man they are talking a lot about josh jackson mm-hmm. and i it didn't you know now it doesn't feel like he was that great no at kansas but you see the numbers that he put up he was a great and he player. was really really good and it's why he went in the top five in that draft well yeah and it's i mean i know that he went second or second or third overall i think it was, I think it was third third right yeah because they talked about lonzo on there and lonzo went second but yep. uh and deandre went first but it was you you heard them talk about josh jackson so much and i'm just like man i just i don't like, yeah. I don't remember him being like that. And, yeah. that, you know, Fran just was raving about him and talking about his toughness and all those kinds of things. And, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'd completely forgotten that that he was such that he, how good he was mm-hmm. because he made some plays in that game too that were I mean were were high level where, yeah. where you're like damn I mean Iowa State just doesn't have anybody like that. And the thing about that Kansas team too, like they they were if they were had one dominant big guy. I know Landon Lucas was pretty solid, yeah. but if they had a dominant big guy, that was a a solid team across the board. Well, it is just like Iowa State where I mean Landon Lucas was okay. Mm-hmm. He was better than what Iowa State had in the front court. Uh, but they brought Mitch Lightfoot off the bench, mm-hmm. which it seems like Mitch Lightfoot has been playing college basketball for like 15 years. Yeah. Th- that's another thing I wrote down. How freaking old is Mitch Lightfoot? Yeah. Because he comes into the game and you and he looks younger, but he still looks the exact same. You're like, man, we, we've made all these jokes about these Kansas guys, but Mitch Lightfoot legitimately, I think, has had a 10-year college career. The other thing I had forgotten, too, was that Perry Ellis had graduated. Yeah. I, I was expecting going to this game that I'd be watching some Perry Ellis, but, I, yeah, that he, he was in the same uh, class as George Nian going out. So Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the starting, lot, uh, the starting five for Kansas was uh, Lucas, Jackson, Mason, Graham, and, and Svee. Yep. And that was the other thing. Just every time Svee touched the ball, I, I don't think there's been a guy since then that was as terrifying as he was when you when he caught the ball at the three-point line. Every time he shot the ball, I thought it was going in. Yeah, it's 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 sort of the thing where it's a it's a Matt Thomas thing. Yeah. And w- the funny thing is Matt Thomas played badly yeah. this game. Well, when he came into it, shoot, he was like 16 of 22 from three in Iowa State's three games before that. Yep. And, so then, it, and then he was 0 for 5 in this one. Yeah, he was on a hot streak. And then at the end of the game, he didn't play because he was dealing with those bone spurs too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that yeah, later on. We can talk about that later. But uh, the other thing about this was – um, Kansas was coming off a win over Kentucky, and they had just beat Baylor on Wednesday night. The on This game was on a Saturday, and Baylor was the number two team in the country. Kansas was number three, and then West Virginia was number seven. So they, the top three teams in the Big 12 were all in the top ten. Yep. And two of them had just played each other a couple nights before. This was right after the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew that Baylor had been really good that year. But I again, I didn't remember where they were number two team in the country. Yeah. So those, I mean, at the, at that time, you could say that Kansas was on its like peak of the like the regular season, and yeah. Iowa State was arguably at its lowest at that point. I do think it was at at its lowest, yeah. probably. I mean, I think they'd lost three of their previous five games, uh, including a a game at TCU that at that time just seemed absolutely inexplicable. How did they lose mm-hmm. in in Fort Worth? Um, and that was the one where Vlad Brodzianski just. I, you know, oh, yeah, famously, yeah. I said the thing about uh, him eating Daryl Bowie's lunch and <laughs> got uh, some feedback yeah, from Darryl, that. Daryl was not impressed, but uh, I mean, I think he had like 27 points against Iowa State or something like that in that game. So yeah, they were coming into this, and it was one of those times where you're you're looking at it like, man, I just hope that they don't get killed, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the other thing was that for Kansas was during that week had been when. Uh, LeGerald Vick and Josh Jackson got it came out that they'd been cited for uh, vandalism mm-hmm. uh, LeGerald Vick had been in the middle of a, a the domestic assault charge that he'd been had or he had had it like in 2015 or something like that yeah a while ago uh, yeah and then um, Carlton Bragg had just been suspended uh, suspended as well for uh, I think a, a drug charge so it was like there was a lot going on off the court and Ferranza something in the game uh, about how he's never seen this much turmoil surround Kansas at one time. Oh, and, what and, was yet to yeah, come. And, I, and that's exactly what I thought because I, I thought about, I was like, dude, man, like 
seven months later, you know, I mean, they went through all that stuff off the court and then right, you know, they go through the rest of the season and then it just hits again. It's like they went through a long period of all these things that were kind of hanging over the program. I mean, and still are hanging over the program. And they, I don't think they'd ever had anything really like that happening before. And then it was just like a rush. All at once, they got uh, hammered with a bunch of different things. Precisely. So it was it was interesting to see that because they did flash a graphic up on the screen with all those things. And I was like, this is back in the day where it was kind of odd for Kansas basketball to be in the news for bad things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the game, as the game starts, Deontay comes out. I think he scored Iowa State's first five points. And they're kind of going back and forth. The two teams are both going back and forth where I think it was it was 10 to 10 for a really long time. Yep. Um, I'm going to just pull up the statistics just so that I have them and can remember all this stuff mm-hmm. uh, 100% accurately. But, yeah, it was 10 to 10 for a really long time. Um, and eventually Kansas just kind of got – like they kind of just got on a roll, you know. Yeah. And it was – that typical Kansas thing in Allen Fieldhouse where uh, you let the ball get snow, like you just start letting it snowball. So it hit 10-10 with 13 minutes and 21 seconds left in the first uh, in the first half. And, you know, it was just back and forth there for a while, but Kansas just like slowly kind of piled on. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you look at it and they're up by 15 Yeah. Uh, with uh, how much time? Like three minutes left in the first half. And and then about under a minute, they get up by 15. But they got up by 10. And I'm sitting there like, man, there is no way that Iowa State could win this game. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you're starting to think, like, there's no, they have no business winning this game because Kansas was just clearly outclassing them at that point. Kansas, at one point, I think, was shooting higher than 70% from the floor. Like, yeah. they were making everything. And the only way that Iowa State wasn't allowing Kansas to make shots is if they got a turnover. So, like, Iowa State was either getting a turnover – forcing a turnover or Kansas was making a shot yeah and then in the best statistic that they threw out there that notes that as the sound on my computer starts to go uh <laughs> the best stat that notes that is with 16 or 16 minutes into the first half I actually had one rebound yep and they had three rebounds in the entire first half which is why this just goes back to show you why rebound margin is such a stupid stat yeah I mean <laughs> still they were down 15 though so it's oh, like yeah. you're hearing those things and it and I think that's what Fran said was the he's like, man, Kansas is shooting 70 percent and Iowa State has to feel pretty good that they're only down 10. Yeah. You know, and that's what was blowing me away is just seeing all. And I mean, Iowa State's offense was a disaster at times. At times. There were possessions where I did like the ball moving a lot. And you can tell, like, just watching that team compared to what we saw this year out of Iowa State, like, they they know where each other are going to be before they're there. Right. It's just a, it's a cohesive, experienced unit. Yeah, and th- you could just tell that they had so much more experience playing with each other. Where, yep. yeah, you're right. You know, every time that Naz was open in the corner, someone, somebody found him. Yep. Matt had a bunch of open shots early in the game where it's like anytime someone found him, uh, you know, he was able to to get open or any anytime he was open, someone found him. And that's what I mean, I know we all knew Monte was good, but now like three years removed from that, you become like you're able to appreciate a lot more mm-hmm. just how good he was and how good he was at, at how good he was at being able to find open players. And that's where there was one where he did like a wraparound pass that should have been a wide open dunk to Merle Holden mm-hmm. and it hits Merle in the hands and he drops it and it goes out of bounds yep. and Monte got mad at him and in my mind you know I'm thinking if they had even had you know Solo was fine he mm-hmm. was a freshman though if they'd had any level of a competent big man that was like a junior mm-hmm. 
I don't even know what the ceiling of that team would have been, but it would have been a lot higher than what it was. Yeah. Well, and you can make the argument too. That's what they were missing against Purdue in that. Yeah. That, uh, or excuse me, the round, second round game in the of second that round, NCAA yeah. tournament. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in that game too, like they, you know, they had some advantages on Purdue, but they were just they took way too long to be able to take advantage of them, mm-hmm. and and that's what they did in this game. Eventually, you know, they start putting Deontay on Landon Lucas where you're trying to draw Lucas away from the basket. Mm-hmm. And there's one time where Lucas just sagged way down and Deontay was just on fire in the first half. Yeah. And he knocks down a three-pointer. And and you're like, man, if he's going to make that shot, then it's going to be a long day for Kansas. But then you come back down and they would just throw it right over the top of Deontay and, and Lane and Lucas would get a wide-open layup. Yeah, it's the thing where you're, you're trading points for four points, <laughs> yeah. you know. But in, in that instance, though, too, like, you're, it, like you traded two for three, mm. you know. Uh, but it's just the the stat about the one rebound had me blown away because yeah. it was it reminded me of uh bob euchre in uh major league where he's like one hit we have one damn hit yep it's like one rebound mm-hmm. and i think fran opened the second half and he said some he quoted somebody and he said this is when my friend such and such would say uh you guys have three more rebounds than a dead person <laughs> <laughs> that's a great quote which was which was really really funny to me but yeah. uh yeah i mean it it went to halftime and iowa state was down by 14 52 to 38 at the half and like i said i mean i at that point you there's no way in my mind that i would have thought they were going to win the game no i agree with you there the two other things i had written down for the first half before we get into the second half uh one is there was a visas sign in the crowd i don't know if you caught that i didn't no uh that was just funny looking back because obviously naz was threes of nazareth too so it's like oh those 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 jokes were going on uh the other thing i did want to note uh, in the first half, like when Donovan Jackson subbed in, I just reminisced like he was the perfect first guard off the bench. He was yeah. he was perfect for that role. Well, just the energy that he brought. Mm-hmm. He was it was he brought all this energy, and it's like when you were able to harness it on the offensive end, then he was really really good. Mm-hmm. When you couldn't, he could just be he could be kind of crazy. Yeah. There was one time I remember. I think this was in the second half, but he got ripped by Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson took it and. Uh, got a layup or something like that or I think maybe even there was one in the first half where he got ripped and then Frank Mason drove down and then dumped it off to Graham and Graham got a wide open layup and that was late in the first half yep and it was just one of those things where you you're like man you know he was good at times but he could also be like kind of crazy and we obviously came to understand that more the next year Mm. but I do agree with you and that's what's wild about this game I mean Matt was hurt and he was obviously he played mm-hmm. but he was nowhere near what he usually was mm-hmm. uh merle holden had four fouls like a minute into the second half yeah. and played and basically didn't play in the first half because he was in such bad foul trouble uh and then you had nick weiler bab make some a, like a, a few short appearances where he just came in and basically rebounded and uh yeah. and just stood in the corner to <laughs> stay out of everybody's way and and then you had donovan i mean they they played this entire game and then solo but they basically played this entire game with what i would equate to like seven people yeah and the second half i think they played with five more or less mm-hmm. like the second half of the second half and and then into overtime well they didn't i mean maybe other than the big man they didn't sub out their guards at all no. in, in overtime out there it was those four guys dude yeah i mean and and without without with, without, without matt, matt. Yeah. matt yeah it was the three and then you had donovan yep and that was basically it and uh, but yeah, that's it's like I said. I mean, you go to halftime, and I'm like, dude, there's no way that they 
have any chance to win this game mm-hmm. with as much as they're down. And knowing how good that Kansas team was where you had two guys who were basically borderline national – I mean, Frank Mason was national player of the year. I can't remember if Devontae Graham won the national player of the year, but he was right up there in that conversation for a while. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Josh Jackson was a lottery pick. Yep. Just imagine, imagine if they had Asabuki. Yeah, who was on the bench that, that yeah, game. Yeah, that was his freshman year, I think. Mm-hmm. It was either a freshman or a sophomore year. Yeah. I don't remember for sure. Which is kind of funny to look back on because like, you look back and, yeah, Solomon Young, I guess you recognize too from still playing, but yeah. like I, I wasn't expecting to see Azubuka there. Yeah, it, it was wild. I said this stat on the, the podcast Chris and I did from Kansas City, but uh, Azubuka played five years at Kansas and never played in a single Big 12 tournament. Never played a minute in the Big 12 tournament. Really? Yeah. What were the various reasons, you know, at the top of your head? Well, I mean, most of it was injuries, and then this year would have been the first time that he was healthy at that time of year. That's right. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? That is crazy. Yeah, for, for five years, man. Anywho. It's pretty wild. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the second half. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Carl Chevrolet Studios here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We're reliving the 2017 Iowa State-Kansas game at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, like we said it before the break, just got to halftime. Cyclones are down 52-38, to 38 and basically I think both of us were in a position, I mean, if we didn't know the outcome, it, it would have seemed impossible for them to be able to come back in this game. Yeah, I, I, at halftime, my analysis would have been they had to ramp up the defense at that point because they Kansas was shooting the ball unbelievably yeah and like they did play better defense but it wasn't it wasn't overwhelming like they locked them down no it wasn't overwhelmingly better but um the thing I will say is that you know so Kansas comes out and they get from and like Iowa State right away Deontay scores within the first minute he hits another three Mason comes back down he hits a three Monte hits a jumper in uh, like Kansas is just doing enough to keep it right there around the 10 mark but every time Kansas would get a bucket Iowa State would come back and answer and it's just staying right there around 10 uh, and then Deontay finally gets it back within 8 with another 3 pointer uh, just after the under 16 timeout mm-hmm. and then Frank Mason hits a 3 Naz hits a 3 Zvi makes a layup Monte makes a jumper and like these are all like on possessions like boom they're, they're boom, trading boom, blows they're trade these are, yeah and that's what I was sitting there thinking, I was just like, man, you know, as as many of those things that you – this is – I feel like that halftime is when you started to really see where the, that offense, like, kind of de- 
like took over. Mm-hmm. It was like those four guys, the or the guards, really were just like, all right, we're going to go out and do our thing, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And yep. they just started firing the ball up. Yep. And I think for a while, especially when Iowa State was mounting the comeback, it was it kind of turned into a Frank Mason versus Deontay Burton for a while. Yeah. Frank Mason ended this game, I think, with like 32 points or something like that. And he, yeah, and we'll get to it later, but he didn't miss his first three-pointer of the game until overtime. Yeah. He was yeah. That every shot that he took, he was he was making basically. Mm-hmm. And the thing I wrote down about Iowa State's offense was it was beautiful chaos. Yeah. Where every time they would come down, almost always it would there would be a moment where you're like, what the hell are they doing? And then somehow all of a sudden it would come together and they'd get an open jumper or someone would hit a contested jumper or you know someone would be able to get into the lane and score. I mm-hmm. mean Monte had a bunch of those mid range jumpers that he was making with people in his face and stuff like that. Uh, Deontay banked in some mid-range jumpers and you're just like (laughs) it's like man this shouldn't work but somehow it is and how can you even complain I think all four of those guards that we mentioned uh, on Iowa State's roster they all had their point where they hit a huge shot yeah did Matt make one no no okay yes no I'm I'm including DJ yeah yeah, yeah. besides Matt Uh, but yeah I mean Iowa State doesn't get back to they got back within four with 1138 left uh, when Monte made a three-pointer um and then Kansas started to kind of go on a, a little bit of a drought, and uh, May, Frank Mason's able to get in the lane with ten, about 10 minutes left. He, that pushes it back to six. Naz comes down, hits another three. Then Josh Jackson, who was not a three-point shooter, they basically left him wide open. He drills a three-pointer to put it back up six. Well, Naz comes back down, makes another three. And then it was that thing where they had gone to that small lineup at this point, and they tried to throw the ball over Deontay, and Deontay did a really good job defensively to try and tip it away. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to end up in the Gerald Vick's hands, and he goes and gets a dunk. That pushes it back to five. Uh, Donovan, um, this is where I think we can start to mention Solo, because uh, Donovan came down, he tried to shoot a three, and Solo got the offensive rebound. And every time Iowa State would put up a shot, that's what I was noticing, was mm-hmm. that Solo was taking on like four people on, yeah. the, on the glass every time. And he wasn't always getting the rebounds, but he was at least making it harder for Kansas to get the rebounds and making those guys actually have to work in the lane. And I think that's why we were all relatively pretty high on Solo as a freshman. Yeah. Like he was the perfect role as a big guy. Like if, at least what Iowa State had to work with. Like he would just be the guy who was the garbage man in the middle. He'd take on multiple guys and he'd just fill that role of, I'm going to collect the rebound and get it to the guys who can make, go score the ball. Yeah, so he got a rebound on, uh, on a possession after that Donovan three. And then Donovan gets a layup out of that which takes you into the uh under the under eight timeout uh frank mason made one of one free throw coming out missed the second one which was his first miss in 19 attempts he'd made 19 consecutive and then missed the missed one right after they'd showed a graphic on the espn broadcast yeah. and then of course fran and uh bob well, white shoes and yeah. pointed that out they, they didn't say anything but the yeah. graphic guy yeah. screwed him up that's what i thought was funny was choosing's like he i want to make clear that that was the graphic jinx and not the <laughs> announcer jinx yeah uh Notably, though, speaking of missed free throws, Kansas missed a few very important free throws late in the game and in overtime that ended up making it so Iowa State could, you know, win the game. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. Um, but that next possession, Deontay comes down, he hits a three, that pulls Iowa State back within one. Uh, and then Solomon gets a steal and pushes it ahead to Deontay. And Deontay is in full-on heat, heat check mode. <laughs> like, everybody knows what we're talking about, where Deontay would just get into the, some of those – in, where you, he just had that look in his eyes where it's like he's going to get the ball. He dribble, he brings it down the floor and pulls up at the wing. 
And on the telecast, Fran yells, oh, no. And he pulls up from three and just drains it to put Iowa State up by two. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he's like, I was saying that they should give it to Monte Morris. And Deontay Burton pulls up. He hits the three-pointer. And they go up by th- uh, go up by two at that point with six and a half minutes left. And it was, I think, their first lead since uh, they were up 12 to 10. Mm. And uh, then Josh Jackson misses a layup. Uh Naz hits another three um, to put Iowa State up six or five with five minutes and forty-five seconds left, and then uh, can't and like from there it was just really it it was again it was just back and forth where yep. you know Kansas was able to get it back to tied, Iowa State goes back up one, Kansas comes down they go up one they actually went up two on a, a three-point play for uh, Frank Mason, and it was eighty-one to seventy-nine from the three twenty-four mark until the one oh seven mark when Naz hits another three-pointer to make it 82 to 81. So for almost two and a half minutes, nobody scored, where it was just Kansas up by one. Mason makes a free throw that made it 82-82, and uh, Monte had a shot to try and give him the lead, and then Kansas takes the last shot, and it's it seemed perfect because that Kansas team, it seemed like they'd made a bunch of shots that yep. uh, had helped them, that had allowed them to win games. And um, they kept talking about the V shot against uh, Kansas State when he take when he traveled, <laughs> yeah. When you take however five steps or whatever it was, yeah. uh, going to the rim and uh, and made the layup to win. And Bruce Weber absolutely lost his mind and rightfully uh, so. Yeah, and they were they were actually going to play them on Big Monday like the next in two days, and mm-hmm. so it was like that was a big topic of conversation. But Frank Mason shot uh, just barely missed, and then so that sends it to overtime. And it was like I said, I mean, it it felt like even then that okay they got it to overtime. But maybe they missed their opportunity because they kind of had a chance to land a knockout punch with about a minute left and weren't able to do it. Yeah, and it was fu- interesting too. Like even when I was watching that final possession when Mason took a shot, it felt like that was going to go in, and it, it just—it it was a great shot. It just clanged off the back iron, you know, that kind of shot. But yeah. I mean, he was such a great—you know—he had such a great game that you just expected him to make it. Yeah, and it was just—he had just made every shot. Mm-hmm. You know, he. Every time that Kansas needed someone to do something, Frank Mason stepped up and, and knocked something down. I wrote Frank, uh, uh, Frank freaking uh, Mason. Yeah. Because it was just like, you're you just keep seeing him make shots, and you're like, damn, like, man, can this guy just stop, you know, making everything? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it, I thought that you know he was really good, and then I thought the other thing is that Deontay basically took Josh Jackson out of that game. Yeah. After a certain point where he started to get strips on him, he started kind of taking the ball away. That goes to the turnovers that you mentioned. I think Kansas had 20 turnovers before halftime, yep. which at that time was like the high in the Bill Self era at Kansas. Mm-hmm. I think they set the new record not the next year, but the year after that when they came to Hilton and they turned it over like 29 times or oh, something right. like that. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, when Iowa State just ran him out of the building. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, you're going into overtime. And if I remember correctly, I think that Naz had three fouls. I think Deontay had three fouls. Obviously, Holden uh, still had four. Holden still had four. Um, I mean, they had a bunch of dudes that were in foul trouble. And and at this time, they'd basically – Matt's sitting on the uh, sideline with ice on his leg. He's not coming back into the game. You're going into overtime basically knowing, like, all right, we're rocking with Monte, Deontay, Naz, Donovan, and Solo mm-hmm. and going to see what we can do at this point. Yep. And – do you have anything else from the second half that nope. stuck out to you? That okay. was it. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. One in, like they, so then they go into uh, going to overtime, eighty-two, eighty-two. 
and nobody scores for the first two minutes of the overtime. It's just 82-82. Uh, Devontae Graham missed some shots. Uh, Frank Mason finally missed a three-pointer. That was on the first possession of overtime, and mm-hmm. they got two offensive rebounds. They got three shots, and I think at least two of them were basically wide open. Yep. And Devontae Graham missed two of them, and, and Frank Mason missed one. And I think the second one by Graham – like went halfway down and rolled out and that's the moment when i was like as i'm watching it i'm like man maybe iowa state's got some good juju well yeah it's like there's just like some there's definitely something in the air where it's just like they're getting a little bit lucky at this point Mm -hmm. you know where these shots that normally kansas would make are just going halfway down and popping out of the rim it's like kansas had exhausted their their good luck you know container yeah and at that point iowa state turns it over on the next possession josh jackson comes back and turns it over deontay missed another one of his heat check shots again josh jackson turns it over where deontay stripped him uh and that sets it up where monte eventually hits a a jumper to put iowa state up and then um like this was like a monte morris like tour de force as the just being you know the point god for Mm -hmm. iowa state where he comes down he hits a jumper basically just off straight isolation didn't even have a ball screen uh because they'd been guarding him with V most of the time. And I think that he knew he's like, you're not going to check me. So mm-hmm. he just goes right at him, uh, comes back down. Everybody sucks into Monte when he comes at, he tries to drive into the paint. Deontay drills a three pointer, um, to put Iowa state up by five. And then Kansas is able to get it back within one with a layup and a couple free throws, uh, just over like Devonte Graham missed a free throw. Josh Jackson missed a free throw at a crucial point. Um, while Iowa State's basically kind of just giving them the basketball back over and over again. And that sets it up with 31 seconds left in the game for uh, Monte again to drive into the lane and somehow find Donovan Jackson wide open in the corner to knock down a three-pointer to put him up by four with 31 seconds left. Yep. Uh, One of the more iconic shots, especially of the 21st century, I would say, for Iowa State basketball. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, it might – that's what I was sitting there thinking – is that the most important shot of the 2010s for Iowa State? When you think about what happened next, where I think they won 6-7 of seven to end the regular season, and at that point, it, it felt like if they did not win that game somehow, and you just kind of get your heart broken in Lawrence, then you're who knows what's going to happen next and how this thing could kind of fall apart yeah that game basically served as the launching pad for them to finish out the season well and to win the big 12 championship that game yeah that that year well and they they i think they came back and lost to texas like on the next tuesday and but then they didn't lose again Mm -hmm. in the regular season if i if i remember correctly and i didn't look at that but um they don't lose again in the or they lost in the last game of the regular season they lost to west virginia i do remember that now but uh and then you win the big 12 tournament but they won like seven of nine or something to end the regular season after that game and if that shot doesn't go in i mean who knows what happens you know later on where Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting because you're hearing um you're hearing fran talk about just how much of a shame it is that like Monte Morris's senior season basically is being not wasted. I don't think he's saying, but he's talking about how it's a shell of its 2016 Sweet Six or the 2016 Sweet 16 team when you lose George and you mm. lose Jamil McKay and Abdul, and uh, he's like talking about how it's a rebuilding project. And then he makes a note and he's like, "But is he going to even be more of a rebuilding project for next year?" And I was just sitting there like, "Man, I don't remember like 
feeling that way, you know, that it was going to be this rebuilding project because you still had all these good players. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's probably how we felt at that time. We're like, man, maybe George was better than what we ever realized he was. Yeah. I I mean, especially going into the game, I think everyone was kind of really missing George at that point. And it was kind of weighing on everyone's minds. It's like, hey, the reason we're not winning these close games is because we don't have a a closer like George around. Yeah. So and then even then Kansas comes down, they shoot a three pointer and, and missed it. Josh Jackson gets the rebound. Uh, Svi acts like he's going to shoot one. Everybody goes flying to him for obvious reasons, and he finds Devontae Graham wide open. Monte somehow does not foul him as he's flying out at him, and Graham drills a three-pointer to make it a one-point game again, basically from flat on his ass, where he's like falling down as he shoots the ball. And uh, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity for for the officials to give Kansas a break and put him on the line for a four-point play. And they didn't do it, but uh, he makes a three. Uh, obviously, gets the ball in after a timeout, and then uh, Monte goes down, knocks down two free throws to to ice it. And then even then, Savi gets a last second shot again. Where I think it hit the very, very bottom of the rim, but it looked like it was when it was put up in the air. You're like that he's just gonna make this yep. somehow, and uh, somehow they were able to to break the Kansas magic at Allen Fieldhouse. And it was, I mean, it was. It's insane to think about now just because of all the things that were happening. And you hear Fran say after the game, this should squarely put Iowa State into the back into the NCAA tournament conversation. And, it, you know, I, that team, like, it, it never felt like they were not a no-brainer to make the tournament, you yeah. know? I mean, what they were a six-seed going into it, I think. Something like that, yeah. But even then – I think it was a five seed because they did the 5-4 game against Purdue. Right, right. So, like, they were squarely into the tournament at the end of the season, but even then they still only ended up as a a five seed, which tells you, like, when you won all three games in Kansas City, you won all those games in the regular season, you won in Allen Fieldhouse, and yet you're still a five seed. Like, they were down and out there for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like it's just, like, makes it even more wild to think about how they were able to – to go there and win yeah i mean looking back watching that game it really makes you appreciate how much talent was on those teams yeah especially shooting talent there was basically anyone who wasn't opposed who caught the ball could shoot the ball yeah on that team i mean everybody was just flamethrowers dude mm-hmm. like they i think they went what they knocked down 17 three-pointers in the game i have a i think it's 17 i know they were 14 for 28 at one point and they said and they say early on in the telecast they're like if Iowa State's gonna have any chance to win this game then they're gonna have to be on fire from three and obviously and whatever their final three-point tally is that's like including like five Matt Thomas misses this game yeah <laughs> like he he had some open looks he just didn't knock them down uh, the internet's not working all of a sudden but anywho uh but yeah I mean they they were just ridiculous from three-point range in the second half and it was the only way that they were able to to claw their way back into the game but it just it kind of showed you what the blueprint for that team needed to be. They needed to play ridiculously fast. Mm-hmm. They needed to shoot with basically out any level of conscience, which we knew most of those guys had no trouble doing. But mm-hmm. they had, you know, all of a sudden it just kind of started to come together. And, you know, you get Daryl Bowie back after that. Solo starts to continue to come into his own just as the the muscle. Yep. And, you know, everything comes together. So they do a thing on the rewatchables that – uh, which is on the ringer and I highly suggest that for anybody that uh, they do sports ones but they also do movies and they've done some really good movie ones uh, that I really enjoy but one of the things they do on there is Apex Mountain and basically Apex Mountain is is this thing like this in that instance is this movie 
particular game, that's what it will be for us. Is this the apex for somebody? I have two people written down that I think are possibilities. I don't know who you might have written down. Um, well. Are we including Kansas players as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can include Kansas players. Okay. I didn't write any Kansas players. I mean, though. you can make the argument that this is Frank Mason's Apex Mountain. I mean, he had a ton of other good games too, but he was just unconscious for a while. Yeah, um, I, I, I wouldn't argue with it. I mean, I, I think that ended up being his career high in points. I think this is... Did that team go to the Final Four? I can't remember. I don't. You'd have to look it up. Yeah. Um, as far as Iowa State goes, though, I think you have a very strong case for this being Donovan Jackson's Apex Mountain. That's what I was going to say. I think that Donovan Jackson is definitely – I, you know, he had some moments that next year, and he obviously knocked down some big shots in Kansas City too. Mm. But I don't think that there's anything that will ever be more memorable from his career than – and that's why I'm saying, like, I don't remember specific shots, but everybody remembers this one. Yep. And I don't think that it ever got better for Donovan Jackson than it did in that day. I would agree with you. And the other the other Iowa State player you could make the argument for is Deontay Burton, I think. Yeah. I, and I, I tried to think of a time where maybe it was better for Deontay. And we want to keep in mind, too, like we we're talking college careers. Yeah. Deontay obviously plays in the NBA now. Frank Mason is in the NBA. Yep. Devontae Graham is in the NBA. Like, that's their apex. They're living yep. their dreams now. But we're saying college careers. And I mean, like I don't I don't remember a time that would be better for Deontay. Deontay, you could make the case for the Purdue game because he 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 went into beast mode in the second half when they actually just started isolating him. Yeah, and that's I, and I if they'd won, I think I would have a better time yeah. being able to agree. But mm-hmm. I mean, they won this game in large part because of Deontay. If Don, if Deontay had one of those games where he was just off, Iowa State would probably lose that game by twenty points. Yeah, and I think that I mean he carried them in the first half. Monte mm-hmm. did, Monte was good, but he wasn't. I mean, De- like Deontay was just ridiculous. Yeah. I think he had 26 points with like seven minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. I think that second three he made, the one when Fran yelled, oh, no. that was He gave him 26 points, and that was with six minutes left. Mm-hmm. And it's like he had at that point, you're like, man, De- like Deontay Burton is willing Iowa State to a win in Allen Fieldhouse. And, I mean, I think that Monte, there's some case you can make, but I think that Kansas City that year probably is his – it's his time, yeah. I would think. And Monte was just, I mean. He was yeah. so good for so long. Exactly. Too. It's a longevity thing with Monte. Like he, and you know, he's still in the NBA. But it's, if you look, just look at his college career, like it's so hard to pick out one game for him. Right. I'll throw another one at you. What about Steve Prohm? Ooh, intriguing. Hmm. You know, you, you probably have a case there. Because, I mean, if you think back, signature win of the Steve Prohm era, it's probably got to be that game. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones. I mean, uh, uh, Big 12 tourney games, but at the same time, I don't think any of those were necessarily as signature as this as this game. Just none of them were ever as memorable, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they weren't, like, singular moments, they weren't as memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole run in Kansas City, I remember as a whole, more than I remember it for one. Yep. That, like, that West Virginia game or anything like that. Like, the whole week was so crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about one game. Like, I do think that there's a case to be made for that. And there's obviously been good moments since then. Like, they, you know, they uh, have won another Big 12 tournament since then. Mm-hmm. They had some big wins last year. But I don't know that there's been a time since then where Steve Prohm hasn't had some level of heat on him. Yeah. In that day, like, you know, it would have been hard for anybody to criticize Steve Prohm on that day, you know? Yeah. And that was in his second year. 
Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to think. Steve's hair's gotten a lot grayer it has. in the time since. You can tell, like, if you watch that game, you can tell Steve's aged a little bit since then, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how about Merle Holden? <laughs> Good one. He's uh, the opposite of the Apex Mountain. Oh, At man. least for that game. I yeah. mean, you know, obviously, there's no, like, signature game from Merle necessarily while he was at Iowa State, but I think... Uh, there's, they do a the it's the Joey Pants that guy award. Uh, <laughs> that guy, uh, he's that guy. It's was, it was like oh my gosh, I forgot Mo Holden starts this game for Iowa State. He definitely wins that award. Uh, yeah, no, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I mean, it's like every other guys were good, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think Josh Jackson maybe like for his college career, just how good he'd been, how everybody was talking about him. But yeah. uh, I did. He, I, he I hasn't he hasn't lived out to expectations of the NBA. That's no, for sure. No. Um, I would say too that that day changed everything for me for from a mentality standpoint of when Iowa State goes to win at Kansas or goes to play at Kansas. Yeah, where you know you don't go in like expecting them to win, but you know, all, like now you know that they could win. Yeah, you know that was like a little bit of dose of what Hilt Magic is supposed to be in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, and that's what was is just so crazy to me is that it was like a complete mentality changer for I think so many people and. It was like such a, it was a validation thing mm-hmm. Th- that validated that season and the way that they wanted to play. Yep. And then they were able to play that way for most of the rest of the year. Um, but it, it's, it, it's crazy to relive it just because there's so many different things that you look at, you know, and like I said, like so many different points are like, man, they should not win this game. Yeah. And there's so many just different wrinkles to it. It's like, how did they win this game? Yeah. I did enjoy both of us getting able to watch that for the first time in full. It yeah. was a good experience. Me too. Uh, there's some other ones that I think would be good rewatches too. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we still got this tourney going on. So yeah, we do have do still have the bracket going. Um, I'll bump that again on our Twitter and on our Facebook and all that stuff. Put it back up on the forum so everybody can find it. Uh, the voting for the third round ends on uh, ends on Sunday, and then the the quote unquote elite eight of the bracket will start on Monday. Uh, but this one's going up against um, the 2015 Big 12 Championship game again against Kansas. Yep. Uh, and then the top half of this bracket is the the round of 32 game against North Carolina, where DeAndre Kane hits the layup to win, and then the win over number one Oklahoma in 2016, which was the 13 seed coming into the region. So, yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of good games. A lot of good games. A lot of good memories. Um, maybe we'll, we could even do like an older one that we would have never watched before i think that that'd be cool it would be cool because i mean there's probably a ton of old games that i haven't seen well yeah i mean like the 2000 games i started to watch the two their 2000 game against oklahoma or oklahoma state mm-hmm. in the semifinals of the big 12 tournament oh yeah uh dude basketball is so much different in 2000 that's that's my favorite thing to to watch about any of this stuff i think at one point i, I pulled up the, the the michigan state game and I, I i you know flipped to the second half just to you know take it in and yeah I, I i couldn't do it dude the amount <laughs> it was of too eff- painful the amount of well yeah that see that's why we'd watch oklahoma state because we know they yeah, win but you're, you're right uh or like the ucla game that they play in the uh sweet 16 mm-hmm. um and they killed ucla in that game but uh the, we were watching um, the 2008 National Championship game, Kansas and Memphis. Yep. And uh, 
my roommate's son was there with us and he said, why are their pants so baggy? <laughs> Dude, that, that that is something I've noticed. Like you go back and you watch that, uh, especially that DeAndre Kane year. Yeah. Their shorts were so long compared to what they have been like in the last year or two. Well, I don't know what it was. Like there's all of a sudden a point probably around 2017 where it just kind of flipped or maybe even 2016, you started to see a few guys that mm-hmm. would wear their, sh- they'd roll them up yep. like they do now. You know, now they make them where they're short, but mm-hmm. um where you'd have the guys that were the tags were sticking out and stuff like that and you're like why why do they do that uh and now it's weird to watch basketball and see you know with derrick rose and mario chalmers and all those guys out there and like derrick rose's jersey or his shorts basically connect with his socks down to his uh down to his shoes and when he asked me that i was like you know, I have no idea why we did that. It's it, looking back at it now; it's really stupid. Yeah. We probably shouldn't have done that. But. It makes you wonder how, like, if it's going to keep going to where the point where it looks like the the shorts are in the seventies, like when they were really short shorts. I'd like to think that we found a happy medium now. Yeah, you know? I, I like the way that they are now. Yeah, they I, look pretty solid. I think that we, you know, maybe we started out too short, mm-hmm. and then in an act of rebellion, the Fab Five like went to the longer ones, or like Michael Jordan and the Fab Five and all those guys started to wear the longer ones. Yeah, and then it was like it became a competition of who can wear the longest shorts and i'd like to think someone out there was like why do we do this this is really stupid we should wear you know a little bit longer or a little bit shorter shorts Mm. like even now i play basketball and my shorts don't come down to my knees yeah you know i mean less fabric in the way you know exactly they're less restrictive Mm -hmm. i mean it 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 really was a game changer. I don't know what we were doing in in 2008. Just think how good Derrick Rose could have been if he wouldn't have been playing so much fabric. Man, I know. It's wild, dude. Like just just think how good like you remember TJ Ford uh, played at Texas yes. and then was in the NBA. Yep. I, I saw where they photoshopped his jersey he wore for the Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. where it was like his his shorts literally were on his socks. Uh and I mean, TJ Ford was like five ten, so yeah. that's a little bit different. But he was looked like he wore the shorts that like a seven seven guy would wear nowadays. Yeah, yeah. and no, like that, like then oh. they, they were that guy's shorts, yeah, you yeah, know. And he yeah, was yeah. like, "No, I'm gonna wear these ones." And they photoshopped him like onto Giannis and LeBron and and all this stuff. And even the, it just looks so ridiculous. And yeah. you see him, you watch him those games from back then. You're like, dude, this looks so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, why did people do this? Just a style thing, man. It's just it goes a, in cycles. It's just a style thing. Yeah, but that's our tangent that we had to I took <laughs> us on real quick. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll uh, we'll figure out something else to do. Maybe we'll see one of the games from the next round and yeah, watch that. Maybe we could even watch like a game from the '80s or something. I mean, yeah, Jeff yeah. Grayer. They're throw, on. They're on Cyclone, Cyclone TV. Yeah, we should say that. Shout out to the Godfather. He had to help us out because I tr- we'd been trying to watch this game. Yep. And the he had to re-upload the game for us so that we were able to watch it. And uh, shout out to the, the Godfather, John Walters, for helping us out at Cyclones TV. Clutch, quick work by the Godfather. Yeah, it was, it was big time. All right, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Chris is going to have a podcast with Matt Campbell this weekend, so go up, make sure and check out uh, that on CycloneFanatic.com. And uh, everybody have a, a great and safe and healthy weekend. Peace. <laughs>